Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome back to Game Store Profits, the show where geeks talk about God. This is episode 12. My name's Luke Navarro. And my name is Malik Fentali. Oh, wait, no, Yes, it no, is. No, no, yes, no, it wait. Is. <laughs> at least At least 10 hours a week it is. No, my, my name is Mike Perna. Ah. Uh, for those of you who haven't been avidly listening, I basically just told you the name of my Star Wars The Old Republic name. Which, it has happened. Because we, you know, we are very much geeks, and we very much pre-ordered it, we have been playing... I got in... When did I get in? I got in Wednesday. I got in Thursday. Luke Today, in thir- as we record, it's Friday night. Late. Yes. We have... <laughs> all of us have gotten to above level 10. We're very excited 12, about I this. I think. 11 or 12? So, you know, the very first thing we have to talk about, I mean... We've kind of touched on it on the last episode, so we can get past a lot of the basics. Yes, it's a lot like WoW, yes, you know, it's your standard MMO, but in a way it's not. The thing I'm talking about, because of the fact that at this point we have all reached past level 10, I want to talk to you about what we're doing with these advanced classes. You know what, man? We needed to have this conversation an hour ago. Well, yeah. Because we're in a guild together. Well, and yeah. And you need to plan these things, man. Oh, planning, planning, planning. <laughs> So, literally, uh, just before I signed off to uh, get the kids all snug in their beds, and... Visions uh, of sugar plums intact. Yes, and then get ready to record this show. I The very last thing I did was choose my advanced class. And I sat there for a good 20 minutes contemplating. And I already knew. I mean, it's not like I was completely ignorant of what the advanced classes for the smuggler are. But this was a major decision. It's that you make this decision. You don't go back. Maybe they'll give us a way to go back some point in the future. But the implication was you don't go back. Oh, there's even two or three warnings. And the the NPC will literally look at you and go, listen. Take this seriously, because yeah. once you make this call, we're not changing. Yeah, so uh, the smuggler has two advanced classes. One is the gunslinger, two pistols, range, uh, shields, cover. Basically, the standard range damage dealer, right? So uh, maybe a hunter or a mage. Uh, in the WoW equivalency. And then the second is Scoundrel. And Scoundrel's an interesting an interesting beast, because it's a little bit of everything. Got a little healer in it, and it's got a little rogue in it. You're definitely stealthy, you come up, you blast them, but then you also have some healing and some support skills. And all of the, both classes also share one tree, which is the dirty fighting. It's the debuffing tree. And uh, so I, I thought about it for a long time. I thought I was for sure coming into the game that I was going to play Gunslinger because he looks cool. <laughs> but when the final decision came, I decided to go Scoundrel. And what what made you, what tipped the scales what, to what Scoundrel? What tipped the scales to Scoundrel? I'll tell you what tipped the scales to Scoundrel. The incredible companion system in this game. Hmm. I didn't have a companion in the beta. I never got that far. This this is the game changer. This is what makes the Old Republic something special and something different. 
uh, is that I've got a tank who walks around with me everywhere I go. Hey, you've got a pocket tank too. <laughs> and it, it, well, I think the the counselor and the scoundrel are sort of similar in that they can be sort of jack of all trades ish. Yes. And so I have this tank with me that uh, earlier on, before I got my companion, you get your companion different times depending on how you play out your story. I was like level 9, give or take 10, somewhere in there when I got my companion. And I went to this island on what amounts to the starting world, but to say it's a starting world is wrong. (laughs) It's a starting world. (laughs) World. It's not a starting zone. It is a starting world, and you don't... If you have the wow idea of go and kill some sheep in in your head, (laughs) no. No. Uh, This, I'll tell you what, if starting world versus starting world has any i don't know that it does but if it has any forecasting power about what this game is going to be like compared to wow oh my goodness i have found home (laughs) Um, but uh, so i there's this island right and and i found my way out to this island and the first thing you see is like a family of mini rancorish kind of critters right (laughs) which you know you should not shoot at these things it's a bad plan. Poking the but, rancor is never a good idea. But I did it anyway. <laughs> and barely got out alive. Turned around, left, said, I'll be back later. These were uh, what they call heroic two-person quests. I don't know, Mike, if you've come across any of these two-plus people quests. I have, actually. And so I once I got my companion, I thought, well... I could grab somebody in the guild and say, hey, come on, let's go do this. But I want to see what these companions are like. Let's go fight. And the first thing I did with my companion, it just happened that I was near that area when I got him. And I said, okay, let's go try to take these on. And you know what? Dude kicks butt. <laughs> uh, he, you know, I mean, he does everything. Maybe not quite the variety of skills that a human would have, but pretty darn close. We'll see how that goes as the game progresses, but... So, yeah, I decided because I've got this tank that walks around with me, and who knows what other classes I'll get as the game moves on. I know you can get up to, like, five or five companions, I think the the rumor says. But uh, because of that, I thought, okay, well, then I'm going to do what I do best, and that is play a support role. Uh, I've always played support roles in the game, and now I have that opportunity. Uh, but I also have that crazy rogue ability that I can get up there and hurt somebody if uh, we just need to do some DPS. So, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty happy. I, I just made the decision. I haven't even haven't shot one... I haven't fired one shot yet with him in his new state. Uh, but I'm, I'm pretty excited to see how it goes. How about you, Mike? What, what did you choose for your Jedi Counselors? Counselor? Counselor? Yes. Counsel? Counselor? <laughs> yes. Counselorship. It's a yes. counselorship, therefore it's a Jedi Counselor. You have no anyway. idea how many people have already typed with me, uh, oh, so how is the counselor? I'm like, I'm not yes. a counselor. It's a counselorship. Counselor. Um, I really like it. Where are I, you I mean, diplomats, man? Yeah. I have to say, it, I, I always thought, like, when we were doing beta, I did the Jedi Consular, and, and when we first even considered doing the guild, I thought I wanted to do Consular. Now that I'm playing him, I love this class. I love it so much. Um, but it's really interesting because normally when you have a a choice between two different things, they're slightly different. 
They're more, you know, <laughs> right? They're they're more like, oh, do you want to heal or do you want to, you know, defend? No, 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 no. The consular gets two options. They are the sage and the shadow. Okay. The sage is exactly like you'd think when when I say the word sage. The kind of image that you get gets brought up. Very strong with the force. Very much into, you know, using the force to do different stuff. Not so much an in-your-face kind of fighter, but using the force to do amazing things to other people to both help... Sort of the, the D&D leader class. Yes, that's perfect. The, guy, the, guy, the kind of guy who sits in the back, he'll, he'll in fact, the consular literally throws debris at people. Uh, huge <laughs> chunks of spaceships flying at your face. Um, so he'll sit there and he'll do that, but all the while he's healing this guy over here, he's doing a little crowd control over there, and, and he's just kind of in the back kind of making sure things don't go crazy. And then, there's the shadow. Now, when I w- the, the NPC that talked with me, because that's how you do this, is it, it's, right. you know, you get onto the station and then some guy asks, Hey, I think you should either do this or this. The the NPC that was training me said, "Would you like to or you could go the path of the shadow, which is basically the the silent arm of the Jedi forces." And I'm like, "Oh. Oh, this has potential." <laughs> now, if to, to how do I put the shadow? The shadow gets a dual-bladed lightsaber. Which Okay. The only good thing about the the prequels was seeing that epic fight with Darth Maul and the double-sided <laughs> lightsaber. It's the only good thing I could say about those things. So part of me wanted to do this, and but, I mean, the, the Shadow is sneaky, he's damagey, he's the kind of guy who quite literally pops out of the shadows and unleashes a world of hurt on the bad guys. And it got to the point where my guy literally asked, like, that sounds awful dark side doesn't it? <laughs> and the guy's like, no, 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 these guys are more about tactical, you know, uh, go in and, and take out a, a strategic target so that, you know, to save thousands of lives kind of guys. They're, they're Jedi SEAL Team 6. Pretty much. That's gotcha. very, very, very concise way to say it. Um, so I was confronted by this. And I'm like, I, I don't know. Because this guy, you're literally looking at every option. Because I looked at, because you get to inspect, they don't just throw you in blind. You get to inspect the kind of stuff that you learn. Right. So I, I looked at the sage. And it's all telekinetic force powers to use stuff to th- throw the world at somebody's face. And healing. And I help my buddies and I buff my, my friends and I make the bad guys suffer. And then I go to the shadow, and I get to hurt people. Or, I get to, there's a, an entire tree of the shadow that's the defense. So, even though I'll be we- I'd be wearing light armor, there's a very tanky sort of element to this. And I'm like, I can be anything. This right. character can literally be anything. Which is, it's not something we've come to expect. Not you at mean, all. You pick your class, and that's what it was. But then you think about the smuggler. Well, what's the smuggler? I don't know. And so they kind of built this... I don't know if every single role can be played by every single character, 
but a lot of them can. Well, again, it goes back to that philosophy of we want to make an MMO that feels like a single-player game. Right. And well, the companions I, really add to that. Well, oh yeah, oh my, I love my companion. I can't shut up about how much I love this guy. Um, he's a Tandoshan, which I, you know, as Pokey we just, guys, the lizard, lizardy people. lizard guys, Bosk. Okay, yes, think every lizard-looking bounty hunter you've ever seen or heard of ever. And it was funny because amazing was t- short story about Bosk, by the way. I was talking uh, about because I. As I totally just confessed in our last episode, I'm a pseudo-Star Wars geek. Like, I know the major plotline. All this extended universe stuff is new to me. I've never gotten into the extended universe. So, I'm everything I'm coming across, I'm learning new stuff. Hmm. And one of the cool things I'm learning about this game is as I'm talking to my companion, because they have plotlines. Oh, absolutely. And in fact, there's actually you get experience like like your companion get you get affection from your companion and then that leads to quest lines and all sorts of cool stuff. So I'm sitting there and I'm talking to this guy. And he's talking to me about the great scorekeeper. And so my guy's a little curious and starts asking questions about what does it mean to score points and and have the great scorekeeper watching over you. I find out, as I'm talking to this guy, about the Tandoshan religion. Which is basically, all of life is a hunt. And the hunters get points for the more things that they kill. And the great scorekeeper keeps a tally of who's in front. And the great scorekeeper shows favor to those who are in the, in the front of the tally. And so this guy has dis- has dis- decided, and I don't think I'm giving away too much of the plot because there's so much that leads to this point. But through a, a course of events, this guy loses his points because he's captured. Mm-hmm. And a- according to their their culture, their religion... That's like, that's wiping the slate clean. You have no points, therefore the great scorekeeper doesn't even care about you. However, in traveling with me, this guy decides that I am the herald of the great scorekeeper. (laughs) Which is interesting, because one of the responses was, I'm not Tandoshan, I don't believe in the great scorekeeper. And I figured my guy, because Luke, I, I play characters... And I've, I decided that as soon as I picked the Consular, and as soon, that's definitely when I selected the Sage, I figured that my guy is going to be, you know, almost like, like a monk. And as I explained in our guild chat, not like jumpy, kicky monk. I'm thinking more, you know, right. chanting, mm-hmm. studying monk. So my who guy... Who occasionally jumps and kicks. Who occasionally jumps and kicks. Hmm. Uh, it's more of a hobby. It's... <laughs> It's, uh, so, so I'm, I, I thought I'm, I'm, this guy's completely buying into the Jedi mentality. And so he's going to be like, I, so he, he said, I'm not, I don't believe in the great scorekeeper. And this guy looks at me and says, doesn't matter. You're, you're, you're the great scorekeeper's herald. I will follow you pretty much wherever you want me to go. And I'm like, all right, then come along. (laughs) So this guy's looking to score points with the great scorekeeper by following me and killing things. And I have no problem sending him into battle to kill things. 
Very cool. Yeah, you know, Mike, this, we don't really intend this to be the Old Republic episode, but I, just a couple of things I just want to point out. A couple of things that I've just, I, as I've played, thought, this is good stuff. Uh, some of it's just real simple, like interface-wise and mechanics-wise. They do little things, like they let you loot the entire area with one button. Yeah. That's pleasant. I like that. Um, they let your companion go and sell all your junk while you're fighting. That's nice. It's a wonderful lesson that the game Torchlight taught us. Absolutely. But I'll tell you, there's the the thing that has, I, I guess, surprised me. It shouldn't surprise me, knowing who created this game. We love you, Bethesda. But... <laughs> BBB, my friend. BBB. <laughs> Blizzard, Bethesda, Bioware. Everybody mm-hmm. else, go away. Mm-hmm. Um, is that these stories? They're real, man. There are times that it's like, and oh, and to make it worse, every now and again, there are decisions that will either give you light side points or dark side points, and it's a bother because I'm playing as a smuggler. <laughs> yeah, he's a smuggler with a heart of gold, but he's a smuggler. Muggler. <laughs> and every once in a while, I I kind of come down to this decision where it's like, first off, these are not like black and white. Like, um, a- another biology Mass Effect has really black and white decisions. Some of these are a little bit more gray, but occasionally, in fact, often, I come up against these decisions where. I would make the choice a smuggler makes, and I get dark side points. Yep. Well, first off, I'm fighting for the Republic. Though yep. really, I'm not. I'm fighting for myself. I'm a smuggler. But I also happen to know, in the meta part of my brain, that this is gear-dependent. That yes. there will be gear that depends on whether I'm light side or dark side. But the thing is, as a smuggler, I should be in the middle. I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my guy, my guy is full light side all the way. See, that makes sense. But, but I bet even you're coming across some story points where you're like, hmm, what do I do? Well, there was do one. I do, the, do I do the just thing or do I give the medicine to the kids? Like, there was one know. that I'm not going to lie. It was tempting to go dark side on it. I came across this computer and, you know, one thing I'm getting used to is the fact that computers are alive in this world, or this universe, as it were. And this this computer program is looking at me going, listen, I've got enough power to save one piece of data from our history. And he goes, I can either save this information over here about this warrior poet, or I can save this piece of information about this scholar. Now." Part of me was like, dude, Scholar is the light side. The other part of me was like, man, Warrior Poet seems awesome. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie, I was this close to going dark side on that one. Yeah, I, to- I totally understand. But that's, it's, it's fun. Now, okay, so here's the thing, right? There is a way of playing MMOs. And that way is... The you work through everything to game the system way. 
then there is the way of playing RPGs where you could do that. But like, for example, with Skyrim, I haven't looked up hardly anything. I just play the game and figure it out as I go. And my instincts playing the Old Republic is to go and just, you know, do the thing that I know is going to get me the most points or whatever. But at the same time, I really just want to RP in this world and kind of figure out what would be how my character figures it out. You know, when I first got to the the uh, space station, the fleet, you look around and go, whoa. <laughs> like, there's all kinds of stuff here. And one of the first things I saw was a a quest to go do PvP. Yes. Well, here's the thing. Is my smuggler, at that point in his story, no, not a chance. Not a chance. He's <laughs> not going to go off and go do PvP before he's gotten back his ship. Right. And, I, you know, I think that in, in the, the thing is, is they don't restrict you. I mean, there's a couple things that have level restrictions, but you could do the MMO thing of going off and doing whatever, but I don't want to do that. And so I think I'm going to play kind of slow and sort of maybe be behind a lot of people, but I don't, I don't mind. I'm going to go explore. I'm going to figure things out and kind of do them as I do them. I, I'm, I'm, I just, I so love this game. There are things that I discovered just now that the game is actually live that I didn't know about in the beta, like, I didn't realize that your your races were dependent on your classes. Which right. kind of makes sense, but at the same point, because the fact that the game isn't out yet, because of the fact that I I don't know about you, Luke, I did it through digital download, so I don't have a book. So I didn't I know did the same. I didn't know things like, oh, there's a cyborg race. Right. I didn't know that. <laughs> well, there's a lot. There's a lot that I don't know. That's what I mean, is that I could go find all that stuff. There's got to be a wiki with all of it on there somewhere by now. Oh, yeah. But I kind of like figuring it out as I go, discovering it in-game. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, uh, there are bind points where you can... Uh, in other, It's like a hearthstone. Yes. But you can have all of multiple. these different bind points. You can, you can have to... multiple bind points. I love that so much. Well, and you can basically go to anyone. Well, I guess on planet, you can go to anyone that's there. Well, the bind point is always right next to the taxi service. Yes, it is. I did not realize they were not the same thing. <laughs> and so I didn't initiate the taxi routes. So the first time I went to go find a taxi, and I was like, wait a minute. Oh man, I can't use this because I don't have the other node. Mm -hmm. And that, in an MMO world, that would have made me angry. But in an RP world, that I was okay with that. Well, also I should have been exploring. I should have been trying to figure out what all of these different things are. For example, you pick up these little commendation coins, or at least you do on the Smuggler's Charter world. You, you do, you do on the Jedi as well, right? And if you don't know what to do with those, you have to go figure that out. It's not a quest, but but if you want to do something with those, you need to go figure those out. And stuff like that, those little game mechanics that, like, we're not going to really tell you. Not, not like we're going to make it so hard that you can't figure out how to use the controls, but you're going to have to dig a little bit to figure out how some of these deeper game mechanics work. I like that. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this develops. Yeah, I'm really interested to see what happens now that I've left the starting world. 
The starting world has had some pretty incredible questing. Yeah. And so I'm interested to see if they are they continue that way or if it just becomes sort of generic from here on out. Uh I don't think that it will. Um but we'll see. Yeah, it's I mean there's so much there's so much that we could be talking about, but I I think that as as things go on, especially if we get more of of our happy listeners that come and join our guild, we're going to have more episodes to talk about this cuz there's no way that something this geeky and this ridiculous is not going to get talked about on this podcast with some regularity. That is that's absolutely true. However, we do have some pretty significant things going on uh outside of the video game. Absolutely. It's the holidays. It's the holidays as this episode airs. It, Christmas will have just come, but we're still a few weeks. Well, we're about a week out of Christmas as we record. Uh, this episode will come out in that the the nether week, the interim between Christmas. I don't know about you, Luke, but I just have these visions of our listeners sitting next to a fireplace with a nice warm cup of hot cocoa, watching DVDs that they've got, playing video games that they got, and listening to us in the background talk about how awesome things are. <laughs> how, how, how else would it happen? <laughs> there is no other option. <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure. I, I I expect they're doing that right now. But uh, we want to talk a little bit about Christmas and, and about this the whole holiday season. It doesn't have to just be Christmas. Thanksgiving, Halloween, New Year's, Christmas, all of that. And we thought we'd do that by discussing some of the traditions that surround the holiday. Uh, especially because uh, so many of those traditions are tied in with our faith. Mm-hmm. And the way that we approach those traditions, uh, both the secular and the religious, uh, are affected, I think, both by our faith, and in my case at least, I- I'm guessing in yours, but by my geekiness as well. Yeah, there's definitely a geeky vibe that comes through the traditions of the holidays. <laughs> so, uh, Mike, do you have any uh, any traditions that are on your mind? Well, that, there are so many, and they range from the tiny little, you know, things that kind of pass by, and you wouldn't, it, I refer to them as like, as like refrigerator noise. You don't know that they're there, but if they're missing, you suddenly go, oh, wait, something's amiss. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Um, and, and then they range all the way up to the, we've been doing this forever, and, you know, as long as we're all within the same general area, we will continue to do this kind of traditions. Part of it has always been, and it's going to be interesting because this is the first year that Susan and I have been together where it's really our first holiday season together. Technically not married, but yeah. this is sort of your first Christmas. This is kind of our first Christmas. Or it's it's your pre-Christmas. Yes, it's the, the ramping up to Christmas. And because even, even when we started dating, we started dating in November, but come on, when you start dating somebody, are you bringing them to Thanksgiving dinner with your family? Are you bringing them to Christmas morning? No, you're not. Not no. unless you're strange. <laughs> not, not unless you have a death wish, or you don't want that relationship to go anywhere. <laughs> so, it, it's really interesting. Like, one of the things that I'm, I'm, you know, one of my elevator noise traditions, I, I'm 31 right now. And I have to say that out of 31 years of existence, there have been, up to this point, there has been one year that I didn't spend Christmas Eve at my aunt and uncle's house. One. Yeah. This will make two. 
Because we will be spending Christmas Eve going to uh my my fiance's dad is a pastor, so we're gonna go to their church and we are gonna do the service with them and have dinner with them. So while my family is doing the traditional go over to my aunt and uncle's house and have ridiculous amounts of food, I'm gonna be doing stuff with her family and it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Like I never thought that it would be a big deal, but I'm like, man, I'm not going to Aunt Carol and Uncle Dave's. I don't know how to handle that. <laughs> yeah, I well, and you know, when you get married, those things you got to figure those things out. And and you know, I don't want to say that because um, I know Suze does listen to this, and she'll be freaking out. Like, <laughs> what 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 do you mean you're you're upset about that? I'm not really. Uh, I'm it. It's just weird. It's not upset's not the thing, right? It's just. It's and and a very good piece of advice we got from the guy who's performing our ceremony of one of the pastors at our church. Um, he looked at us. He goes, he goes, not to say that you have to just get rid of all of them, but he's like, you're gonna have to learn that some traditions need to get broken, so that you guys can make your own. And so yeah, it's gonna it's interesting because we're we're in the process of st- like starting to realize that and starting to figure that out, and it's it's gonna be it's gonna be cool, but it's at the same time. It's going to be a little weird. For sure. But, uh, I mean, there there's so many other things. Like, like right now, my, my parents' house is riddled with boxes and trees and ornaments. And because um, I'm half tempted just to just take a ridiculous amount of pictures and post them to this site. Because my, my mother's Christmas decorations, they're to the point that people travel to see my mother's Christmas. <laughs> Where... My parents' house is off the main road, and we've had people come through the neighborhood just to see my mother's Christmas tree slash decorating fest. Um, our front lawn currently has a like a twelve foot tall fake tree, fully lit with a veritable menagerie from you know bears and and penguins, and there isn't a, a, a really just a huge nativity set. And a polar bear, and just all this stuff lit up like there's no tomorrow. That's and so part of my tradition is uh, it's a very geeky thing because my mother collects dolls, and okay. I, so think of like rooms upon rooms of dolls. I think we lost count in the hundreds, like lots of them. And every year since the time that my brothers and I were tiny little guys, we've had to bring down boxes of other dolls that are Christmas dolls that my mother has replaced the normal dolls with. And so from the day after Thanksgiving until the end of January, because they come down for Super Bowl, we literally... Every doll, every decoration, every aspect of my house gets switched out for its Christmas counterpart. And so it's it's the most epic. Uh, Luke, have you ever met somebody who's had an eight-foot-tall Santa in their front room? No. Yeah, yeah, That's you, a big Santa. And he has a reindeer this year. <laughs> Life-size? Not fully or, life-size. Or, or but double life-size, I suppose, if he's eight-foot-tall. No. I mean, that's a jolly elf right there, eight foot tall. That's a big guy. Oh, he's he's a beast, and uh, he's got a reindeer, and he's got a, a a host of animatronic elves making toys around his feet. And see, dude, I think that's awesome. 
you know, I, I came from a family with one pretty significant exception. Doesn't do a lot of tradition. Mm. I don't know why. It's just the way my family was. And my wife's family, they have their traditions, but they're like, they're very subdued kind of people. And very faithful people, and but just not very celebratory. And so for us, my wife and I, when I, I say us, my wife and I, and, and now our kids, we've sort of built some of that over the years. And to see a family, like, I mean, I just love that you said, oh, and it comes down for Super Bowl. That's awesome. <laughs> right? Those are things that, it, that's like written into the family lore. That is, that's the way it it, it should be, you know? And we didn't have very much of that, except for the fact that my mom specifically, but my dad too, but my mom more, is like the uber gift giver. Ah. She's like incredible. She's, she's got skills that like you wouldn't believe, which actually caused a little bit of conflict in our marriage at the beginning, <laughs> uh, because I have followed in my mother's footsteps. Ah, and, uh, okay. my, my wife's family was more of the, you know, get some nice socks for Christmas kind of a family. The very practical, very boring yes. present. Right. Uh, and so that caused a little bit of, for the first few years, a little bit <laughs> of awkward Christmas mornings. Uh, but we, we have since gotten past that. We've been married a long time. So I, I can joke about these things because they're so long ago that they no longer cause trauma. And... Uh, but so we didn't have any traditions like that. So I think it's so cool as you describe. I, but I so I think it's safe to say the Perna family is pro Christmas. Oh my goodness, pro Christmas to the hilt, man! It's now, ridiculous. Now I know you came to Christ later on in life. I was seventeen, and so when you did that, and you came to your first, or maybe not your first, but along the way, you go to seminary, you get to, you're working in churches and all that kind of thing. How did you feel about that? How do you feel about the sort of religious tradition versus this really rich, deep family tradition that you have? You know, a lot. There are some people, and I was, I was, we were talking about it before we got started recording about how my fiance and I were talking about this, and we were talking just about. Um, it was oddly enough the way we kind of posed it was the difference between you know storytelling versus you know trying to convince our kids of something that isn't true. And as you can probably guess, I fell on the, I want to tell our kids stories and pretty much make the kids think that this is real. So I definitely was in the pro Santa camp, but she, you know, uh, Sue's and and very logically, very, you know, it's a real concern. She's like, I don't want to be lying to our kids and I don't want to, you know, tell our kids that something is when it isn't. And so we had this really interesting conversation. The big thing for me is that I don't necessarily think that they have to be so at war with each other, as it were. I I I love my my you know big Santa stuff and I I love the you know as much of a hassle as it is, you know, if I turned a corner and didn't see mom's, you know, electric light circus out in the front of the house, <laughs> I you know, there'd be something weird there, like I, right. it, as if something were missing. I, I loved, I loved the idea of, of, of. I, I celebrated the, the idea of Santa Claus. I, I loved it. I, I, I was talking about it with Suze, and I, I don't remember exactly when I found out about Santa, 
I'm not sure I ever did. Oh, that's that's just a truly magical statement you just made right there. Yeah, I I love the idea of Santa, and I think I even held on to like I I wanted to hold on to Santa even after I figured things out. I desperately wanted to, as if I was just trying to convince myself of it. And we were talking about about this in, the, in obviously in the context of the holidays and everything, but. I I started talking about just ge- you know general stuff, and um and I said I said my folks told me stories as if they were true all the time. It wasn't just Santa, I mean Santa was obviously a big one, but like my dad used to tell me that that he had a in in one of his older cars he had a shoebox in the in the glove compartment, and the shoebox contained a, a tiny little band called you know na- you know Joe Fariz and the Hoboken Zephyrs. <laughs> And uh, to this day, if if my you know the the whole the whole Perna family will will get a smile across their face if you talk about Joe Fadits and the Hoboken Zephyrs. And I mean, he he used that name for a bunch of things. In fact, even when he uh, when he makes fantasy football teams, it's often that. But I mean, so I mean, we actually we started looking for Joe <laughs> and, and and the Zephyrs, and like little stuff like that. You don't think becomes this big massive effect on your existence but i love that stuff i love i love you know telling stories like that as if you know as if they were true i i I think that it does fall under just storytelling i want to i want to push it farther than that though i you know this is such a difficult i you know me man i am a true believer it is my nature oh yeah it is my nature and for me story is truth Story is real. Story is more real than the real. So, for me, I I, want to push it beyond that because the person who can hear the story, and more than that, the person who can live, truly live into the story, has a capacity to see and understand the world in ways that I think those who who kind of have never learned that don't. Mm. You know, one of the things about story, one thing that makes a story a story rather than just a sequential telling of events is that when we tell a story, it is layered with meaning. Oh, yeah. And when we we learn to live as story, what happens is the day-to-day things of our life, and of course the bigger things of our life, become layered with meaning. And we we learn those skills through things like this. And so for me, it, it's really important and it's really special. And it's the way I understand the world. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm right with you. Um, but I'm kind of extreme crazy. So what are you going to do? <laughs> well, I mean, I, 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 was, I was talking about just you know, going back to the holiday tradition. Like I remember leaving cookies and milk for Santa, and then we'd have a bunch of carrots for the reindeer because you don't want to forget the reindeer. That's true. Everybody forgets the reindeer. Ah, oh, we don't. Well, good. You shouldn't. <laughs> and you know, we. I, I loved I loved aspects of of that whole thing about childhood, and I I hate the fact that we we spend so much time trying to kill childhood. 
by saying, you know, you you have to grab onto reality, and I want to fight against reality for as long as I can in the lives of, of children if we have them. And other people's children if I don't. And and a lot of that comes fight. A lot of that comes through these kind of traditions, these kind of 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 holiday awesomeness of going to see Santa. Luke, did you ever go to see Santa when you were a kid? I'm sure that I did. I I remember going to see Santa and there were so many different ways that you could go see Santa and like one of them like you had to walk through this this I think it was a like a fireplace and you walked through the fireplace as if you were getting shot up the fireplace to see Santa up on the roof. And I remember being a kid, I mean, obviously, if for, you know, my parents, it was probably boring, and they're like, oh, why are we climbing through this thing? As a little kid, I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever! <laughs> well, and I think there's something about those memories that I think is significant. Now, since I've come to, I, I was, like you, I was older when I came to Christ. Uh, I actually have formed a lot of those memories since then. Because we were... It wasn't just that we didn't go to church. We didn't go to church. Right? <laughs> like, that was one of the defining factors of who we were as a family. Right. right. And so, all of a sudden, when I come to Christ, I'm like 17 years old. Uh, a s- Christmas Eve candlelight service. Yeah. To me, this is was like magic. It's like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen, which I'm sure for most 17-year-olds who are being drugged to their candlelight service by their parents, were like, dude, I've been doing this every year for my whole life. It's lame. Can we just (laughs) go home, please? Wake up tomorrow and get the stupid presents. But for me, being new to that experience was magic. You know, like, I didn't even know the Christmas carol, right? I mean, I I knew Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, but there's no way that I could have sung... Uh, you know, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. It's just, I, in fact, I actually remember one year that came on the radio and I asked my mom, Mom, who's this Emmanuel? Who's Emmanuel? And, uh, she said something snide about how God would hate me and we moved on. And so for me, that that kind of stuff formed memories and those are memories I want my kids to have as well. That said, I really believe in the social, cultural value of holidays. Uh, well, Christmas, for sure. But for me, uh, Thanksgiving is a huge deal. For me, Halloween is a huge deal for us. And you know, those things, I think, are, are special, and they're, I, they're part of what I want my kids to be formed uh, having experienced. Well, I, you know, so many t- people will tell me that you have to do one or the other, and I don't think that's the case. One of the the coolest little, I mean, granted, it in some ways it's a little cheesy, but it's that right level of cheesy. Um, my family as a whole, but especially my dad, collects nativity scenes, so I'm always checking out people's nativity scenes. My dad has something like 15, I think. So when I go to a place, I'll if, if they have one, I check it out to see if it's one I've seen before. And I went to this one house, and they had a nativity scene, and... In the the nativity, it's all your standard things. There's the animals, there's the wise men, there's Mary, Joseph, and, you know, baby Jesus, and, and the angels, and things like that. But then there was this other figure, 
and it was Santa Claus. And Santa was kneeling down to baby Jesus. Well, he did that, you know. I know. And, you know, obviously when I, you know, I get older and I start doing religious studies, you know, I start looking at, at the, the guy that Santa is, you know, kind of built off of. And I'm just amazed at this guy who thought that, you know, wouldn't it be great to celebrate receiving the greatest gift of all by giving people things and celebrating through the, the, the act of giving. And I'm like, dude, that is awesome. That is not against the gospel. That's part of it. Absolutely. And so, you know, I granted, I do think that um, you have to be a little careful. As, as a guy who worked retail at Christmas, <laughs> I, you know, there were... I, and saw I have the a, shankings. I have a firm policy, Luke. A firm policy, and all of my friends can attest to this. I don't preach sermons I'm not invited to give. Okay. I gotta tell you, on several occasions, I was tempted to take the milk crate out from the back, set it up in the middle of the store, and just go full-on Charlie Brown Christmas. This is what this is all about, Charlie Brown. <laughs> I would I just do tend to have that. I do tend to have that running in the background at all gatherings. <laughs> Lights, please. Um, now, it's... I... There's an, a, a definitely a way to ruin it for everybody but that that's not santa that's us <laughs> that's yeah that's us and and you know everyone wants to you know there are times that you can hop on the news especially if you go onto a certain network who should not be named um and hear about the war on christmas let's call it that from now on the, the network <laughs> the, that, shall, the not network that shall not be named um because I'm pretty sure they're speaking in parcel tongue most of the time. <laughs> but, I mean, it's not a war. It's it's not. It's us being stupid. And and one of the... A, a great quote that I heard from uh, a comedian who's awesome, but uh, his name is John Fugelsang. He's an actor and comedian. And on his Twitter... I follow his Twitter, and he got up there, he says... Isn't it a little weird that we celebrate the birth of a man who gave up everything and forsook forsook property and and owning anything to give to others by buying everything up? And I'm like, wow. You know, if you look at it that way, it it, it it's it's a matter of perspective that changes from this is a wonderful celebration to oh my goodness, what are we doing? Yeah. Well, my kind of along those lines, before the next episode of Game Store Profits comes out, we will have crossed over into the new year. 2012. Uh, uh, so I kind of just want to throw out there, you know, what do we wish for the world in 2012? What do we wish for ourselves? You obviously are going to have a really big 2012. This I'm going to have be a... a significant one for you. This is a They're big all deal. important, but this one's big. Yeah, this is a big deal. I you know it's it's always hard to say things, um, in the this kind of you know what I what oh I I'll hope. preach. Oh, you you go. I'll I'll kind of stew on it a little bit, and then by the time you get done, it, it's like when when you you kind of know what you want if you're going out to dinner, you, <laughs> you let the other people order, and by the time they've ordered, you figured it out. You you do your thing, and I'll I'll be ready by the time you're done. 
All right. Well, at the risk of of pissing too many people off, I won't go specific. But I think that we could all agree that we have attained new levels of fear and hate in this country. We are listening to fear mongers. We are listening to warmongers. We are listening to bigots and racists. Let's not do that anymore. It doesn't matter how broken our society is. Look, we all need more money. We all feel like our lives are completely destabilized, but we don't have to go after everybody else because of it. And it's time for Christians especially, and especially geek Christians who already live on the edge, to stand up and say, no more of this crap, okay? Life may be hard, but I'm not going to blame it on somebody else anymore. I'm going to choose to take responsibility for myself, and I'm going to choose to give grace to those other people who I don't understand. Because it's getting bad, and it's getting bad fast, and in my mind at least, it's accelerating. And the only way we stop it is by average folks standing up and saying, no more. No more fighting. No more rage. No more fear. No more hate. We're going to live like Jesus asked us to live. There you go. I'm done. <laughs> no, you're not. We all know that's not the end of that statement. Well, for today oh. it is. Okay. Um, I think, I think my... My big thing that I hope I hope for this coming year, um, aside from all the the craziness of my existence, I I just want people to take a step back. Yeah. To not get so wrapped up into their own stuff or their own idea of what's right, even if what they think is right is right. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Totally does. I. You know, I so many times people come to a conclusion and there will be times when I agree with them and I still want to smack them in the face because it it becomes just about you have to bow down to what I say. It's no longer it's the whole idea of knowledge puffing up and things like that. I I have a great dislike for people expecting people who don't buy into your same philosophy, your same faith, your same point of view, and expecting them to act like you do. And when they don't, they become a, a, just an object of loathing. Right. I, I can't, I, I'm sick of that. I'm, I'm sick and tired of basically, you know, the, the my way or the highway kind of mentality. Because I'm sorry, it's been a long stretch of years since somebody had any right to to claim perfection. <laughs> Not a few. And I, as I, I say to every Bible study I've ever led, I work very hard to be right. I work very hard through study, through prayer, and just through preparation. I try very hard to be right. But I'm often wrong. And there are often way more complicated issues than any of us want to imagine. And there are often way more stuff that weighs in on a, on any any moment of existence that we think about. 
that any of us want to give credence to. And I just, I wish people would spend more time talking and less time yelling. Yeah, man. I love what you said. Even if they're right, you know, and geeks, we all know it. Let us be reminded one more oh, time. And geeks, geeks are the worst. Geeks, remember, Wheaton's rule always applies. If you Doesn't don't matter. know what Wheaton's rule is, look it up. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I, I actually was thinking about this in terms of uh, uh, tour, man. Mm-hmm. You know, I think in theory, you and I run this guild. Yeah. At the moment, it's very small. This is not a problem. There's like four of us, so it's easy. But someday, when there are many of us gloriously battling the Sith Empire, <laughs> you know what, man? Wheaton's rule? Still plus. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, if we're being jerks, it's time for us to get sat down. Yeah. Uh, if, if we're hosting this show. We're being jerks. It's time to, for us to sit down. And even if they're right, don't listen to jerks anymore. Don't don't give them the time of day, and we'll all be better off next year. Yeah, right, man. So I think that wraps up 2011. That's so scary. In it though, let's go blast some Sith. <laughs> you know. I this whole time we've been talking, we we were ramped up with like a good hour or two of playing, and I'm sitting there going, "It's Friday night. Why am I not playing Star Wars?" <laughs> yeah, I do have some chores that need getting done, but uh, we'll work that out after we hit the stop button. So, yeah, Mike, how can folks find out more about you? Uh, as always, there are lots of ways to find me on the internet. Um, if you Google Mike Perna, you'll probably find a lot of sites that are about me. Uh, but the main one to kind of put them all together is tinkerstory.com, where you can see the archives of the stories that are are slowly but surely becoming a book, um, and also just different links to my various Twitters and other assorted nonsense on the interwebs. Luke, what about you? You can find me on Twitter, at Luke Navarro. You can check out the other show that I host at guyscanread.com. To find out more about this show, you can go to GameStoreProfits.com or Facebook.com slash GameStoreProfits. You can also check us out on Star Wars The Old Republic, where Alia Emporia Profete, don't know how to spell it, don't worry, just head over to our website. What's important is we're on Beggar and Colony. Uh, it is a U.S. West, uh, I think it's RP PVE? It is an RP server. I don't think I don't think at present they've established the difference between RP PVE and RP PVP, but if they do, then we'll figure that out when it happens. Okay, so Ali Emporia Profeta, head over to the website. I we have a link there now. I didn't want it to to go up until the game went up. Game's up, at least for most of us, and so the uh, the link is up there. Uh, and in the meantime, as the year rolls over to 2012, remember that no matter what the year is. God is the game master, and no matter how the dice fall, the game plays.